Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with Kyle, Luke, Dave, and Kathleen. And today we are continuing our Rooks and Vets coverage of Sci-Fi's The Magician Season 5. This is going to be Episode 10 entitled Purgatory. And hello, Penny40. Honestly, for me, that's a sticking point of this episode. It's nice to see a familiar face in Penny40. Luke, you got got some uh, words for Penny40? Nah. We're not doing that. Yet. We're not doing that. <laughs> the very beginning of this episode, but shout um, out Hades, though he's always great to see. Yeah, I Definitely. wanted to say in previous episodes, I I've wanted to ask if you guys thought we were going to see Penny Forty again, but I didn't want to spoil that we were. So, what did you guys think? Were you completely shocked by this, or were you like about time? The storyline that got us back to the underworld is kind of what surprised me. I was hoping that Penny Forty would make an appearance once they found out that there was only going to be a season five. I figured that was might've just been one of the loose ends. And it seems like we're not going to get a conclusion with the whole Penny 40 overarching story, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got to see him. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I guess beginning of the episode, I wasn't expecting it, but then when Josh and I'm going to forget the girl's name, but when they go down to the underworld, it's kind of like, okay, a little bit less expected leading up to that. I don't know if she was girl. I had little girl in my notes the Mm -hmm. whole time. Okay, so did I. I didn't want to disrespect her, but... (laughs) Fuck that little girl. (laughs) Yeah, fuck her. (laughs) So this episode, though, the good thing about it was by the end, the very last scene, I think we have the whole squad together again. Love it. Which, it feels like it's been a minute, right? So as normal, we're going to bucket this episode as best we can. We're getting to the end game here, so there's a lot more crossover and a lot of squads are going to be interchangeable here. But we're going to start with the Elliot and Julia stuff because that's all isolated until the very last scene. So we'll go through those storylines. Then we're going to hit the fil- the rest of the Fillory characters in Margot and Elliot combined with all of the, the hot girl squad being mm-hmm. Katie uh, Alice and Margot, who are ah. Ben. Yeah, I forgot Ben, of course. Who are who are in Katie slash Marina's apartment to start, and then we're going to end with the Penny and Plum stuff, which is going to flow right into the last scene. Margot learns to project. Josh goes to the spa. Two funny things. I I, I would love to be in the room when they choose that. They just pick <laughs> two of the stupidest things. So our first scene, if we are starting with the Elliot Julia stuff, is going to be. Julia working on some magic about 45 minutes in and Charlton looks at Elliot and says, Hey, are you going to tell her that magic doesn't work in here? And he's like, I thought, I feel like she just needs something to do. And Julia is like super emotional. I feel like her pregnancy is really starting to hit her. Not to mention she's going through nine months of pregnancy in like a couple of weeks. So she's just like crazy emotional right now. Um, resigning herself to death in the cell or whatever. And Elliot's just there trying to calm her down And she just keeps on yelling and yelling and amping herself up. And then she finally hears Charlton say, you need to calm her down. Otherwise, the baby will get humors. And she's like, who the hell just said humors? Like, what's going on here? So Julia can kind of see what's going on with Charlton. What the fuck is a Charlton? (laughs) (laughs) Third character now that can has interacted with Charlton because we had Margo for a minute. So now people are starting to get Elliot's always just dealing with some mental bullshit, you know? (laughs) know, Right. I was going to say, uh, Elliot has a lot of experience in that fiery personality, you know, with him always being around Margot. I feel like him being around Julia, who's pregnant at this time, is a lot of experience to Elliot's composure and how he can handle these kinds of situations. Yeah, just get her to act like Margot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she, her explosion in this scene was so good. I mean, we, I don't, have we ever seen Julia like that? I feel like no. 
maybe season one, like Hedgewitch binging Julia got close to this, but she just went on a rant. It was awesome. And Charlton was in the money seats because he is right there in the room, but she can't really see. Oh, obviously she hears him at the end, but he doesn't have to deal with anything. You know what I mean? Elliot has to actually deal with it and watch it. And Charlton kind of gives us Charlton rather can just kind of sit back and watch her blow up. Yeah. I really enjoy this whole interaction because this is the first time we're getting up close and personal with any sort of magical pregnancy. Right. Mm -hmm. So I never really thought about it, but it just makes so much sense in the context of this universe that you would be getting affected by your kid. And you know, where I think the since we're just going to go through this whole bucket, I think the next direct thing after they analyze what was going on with Julia temporarily having that those psychic powers and linking it to Penny and the possibility that her kid might be a traveler that leads directly into this this flashback memory. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So great how they set it up too, where Elliot just says, so I was physically present for the lecture on sex ed freshman year, but I was on a historic amount of greenhouse cannabis at the time. So was I really there? Uh, and Charlton doesn't skip a beat. I love how Charlton is so knowledgeable about what's going on and his powers within Elliot's mind. He's just like, so if you were there and saw it, maybe I can go back into the re remembrances. And that's how we get this flashback. First off, seeing young Elliot and Margot is a fucking trip. Come on now. <laughs> Holy Elliot, shit, they look so cute. Elliot is way easier to to make you like the nostalgia of season one. Elliot is way easier than Margot. Margot, they just kind of like make her a little understated, mm -hmm. two eyeballs, whatever it is. Like less makeup a little bit. Yeah, right? but Elliot with those sideburns and that short hair and the and the vests. Like we've goodness. talked about, I think it was Luke who highlighted his changes from season to season, but this is definitely year one preppy Elliot going on, and I love it. And the first thing Margot says is, come on now, this is spank bank material. Let's go. Um, so Dean Fogg, we get Dean Fogg again teaching this sex ed class. And the important tidbit that he says is DNA magic develops in utero, which can affect the mother unpredictably, which can result in, you know, maiming or death, a bunch of accidents. You want to avoid it. Charlton... <laughs> He pretends to be Todd because Dean Fogg calls him out for not being a student. He's like, oh, I just changed my face. I'm that that guy, Todd. Remember? So funny. I also like that they point out specifically, Fogg, that is, that when a magician gets pregnant with a hybrid, that's what he says. And if you don't remember, because it's only really said once, maybe twice throughout the series, a traveler technically is a hybrid human. They're not a full on human. So that's why. Dean Fogg goes on to explain that when hybrid kids are in the uterus, that's when the magic starts to develop and it can, and it can just um, affect the mother. So it's important to know that I guess if it wasn't Penny, that was the father, she wouldn't be experiencing any of these magical surges. I like how in the beginning watching this, I was like, how the fuck can Charlton ask questions? And then Dean Fogg answers it immediately. I was like, this is a memory. Todd. I just love the way he says Todd. He's just like so fed up with him in that moment. It's so perfect. Oh, and also for the record, Dean, this is Dean Fogg 40, who made another appearance in this series. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he back did. to when we asked that question a couple of pods ago. We were right. In a flashback, I guess you can count it. What you mean? I guess he came back. He's well, in the story. Technically, didn't we already see it last episode when they went back to the 1990s? No, I don't think we can call it. That's just Fog. He He's not even. Okay. That's pretty timely. I... Fog. Yeah. But anyway, so Charlton's, Charlton's trying to pick around this memory, but he can't. And Fog can only tell him how to prevent this. So Margot, Queen Margot, just screams from the back like, hey, 
just do the opposite. <laughs> so funny. Mm-hmm. And the bit of so when Charlton comes out and starts telling Elliot about it, I love the back and forth of Charlton using these big words and explaining it in such like a classy manner. And Elliot just dumbing it down and shorten it like you got to flip the fuck out. Basically, <laughs> it's comedy. It really is. Yeah. So Margaret was definitely the MVP of the memory. And then that leads to them getting these plans to, again, just piss off Julia to the point where her adrenaline spikes. She uses the potential power of her and Penny's kid. I think that's the end of that scene. I would just really quickly argue that Todd would be the MVP of the Todd the is the MVP. If he Always. wasn't there, man, who would Charlton have been? The whole thing would have collapsed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> so we get the next scene and it's really quick. It's Elliot just asking the Valorian guard for some supplies. And the excuse that he, he uses is that Julie is about to go into labor. Like do you get these supplies unless you want a lot of oceans of blood over the floors or whatever. Nobody in Fillory knows anything about reproductive health for women. I think that's like such a funny reoccurring joke, but he asked for five stalks of green nightshade, one dead quail on pluck, two rocks or some rock salt and two fingers of bourbon. Uh, Julia asked what he's getting it for. And he says, Hey, I have to scare you. So the less, you know, the better, which fast forwards us to gruel. Yeah. He does ask for some gruel. I love take- that. That was just a classy little way to end the scene. That was so Elliot too. Elliot prepared this drink out of the supplies that the guard got him to give to Julia. She, you know, puts it all down and then she burps up smoke. Shit starts to hit the fan. Her water breaks. She starts going into labor like this is happening right now. For some reason, like she says, no, I can't even lay down like this is happening right now. The guards won't come. Everything's crazy. Elliot's just like, you have to travel. Do it now, Julia. What does Penny do? Do it now. Like this scene got so intense so quick. And then she's just like able to travel on the other side of the bars. And she's like, oh, my God. Elliot's like, cool. Now do it for real. (laughs) He incepted her ass. It was so perfect. Very love, well done, scene. I love how they said the baby was so strong that they it took three tries to deceive it. Like that is a powerful baby. Stella, so what, what was the drink for then? That's the spell. I would oh, assume that's the inception to be capable of being incepted. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was confused by that because I wasn't sure what was going on. That makes sense. Uh, Elliot told her it was just a drink that was going to induce like extreme anxiety and fear and stuff. But that's wild in its own. You know, like, what the fuck? What would what would that feel like? Jesus. <laughs> of course, Elliot knows that uh, concoction. I got enough of my own anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say, I probably feel like me waking up this morning and having that exam. <laughs> I feel like a bad shroom trip. Like, he would just be expecting that. Like, holy shit. I, okay, so Stella's acting is great during her freakouts. Elliot walking her through. Is this not just our grown-ass Elliot? So wise and mature. He's come so far. But Ju- Julia calling... L- Elliot L and Elliot calling call Julia Jules warms my fucking heart. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. I was going to make sure we at least mentioned it. That was probably honestly my favorite part of the scene. I mean, it is cool that the baby's a beast, but yeah. that like just caught my ear so hard. My baby is awesome. <clears throat> I love two the, have, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I love the animation for the uh tra- uh the traveler when she teleports mm. behind the bars. It's really cool. It reminds me of like the jumper jumper movie. Oh yeah, definitely. But I wanted to say that even just being a vet, like I kind of forgot about this scene, at least the specifics of it. Did you guys think she was gonna give birth right there and the kid was gonna come out and be the like a plot point right now? 
already this, you know, with four episodes left, three episodes. It all happened so quick. I didn't have time to formulate theories before it was revealed that it wasn't real. So, yes, I was so carried away that I was just like, oh, my God, this is happening. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But for a second, too, I was like, holy shit, what am I forgetting? (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't. I don't know. I don't know where they're taking this kid, though. I hope we get to see the baby in real life. It's going to be a really cool scene when the baby travels out of the body instead of giving birth. You guys are going to love that scene. <laughs> Just the uterus. <laughs> but I think that ends this yeah. character bucket because the last thing we see is just Elliot saying, go get the key. And she runs away, right? And we don't see them again. A lot happens off screen. We'll pick back up with these characters in the very end. But I think we're ready for the rest of Fillory, correct? Yes, sir. Which starts <clears throat> with Toms. I think you could take us through. Is it in the Marina's S- apartment? No, so does does Josh count as Fillory? Yeah, yeah, Josh. Yeah. Okay, cool. So our cold opening of the episode is Josh being a hood taken off of his face by the Dark King. Last time we saw him, he was captured by the Dark King. Uh, they're alone in a forest. Uh, Josh is bound, and the Dark King essentially says, you were part of the plot to kill me. Uh, there's a way you could make it up to me and Fillory. And he, he, he stabs his thumb and rubs some blood on an amulet, starts chanting, so puts a spell... Uh, or a ward on this amulet and then a taker comes out of the ground and drags Josh off and this was insane (laughs) honestly like I thought Josh was in some serious trouble here Um, DK does mention to say though your death will not will not be in vain but I will miss your cooking so shouts out Josh's cooking question are we allowed to just refer to him as Rupert now is that what we do Mm -hmm. okay Cool. I have him cool. as Rupert. I actually Rupert? have him as Seb and I, Rupert. I wrote Seb slash Rupert. <laughs> yeah. I even wrote DK at one point too. <laughs> I, DK is so easy. He's he's ingrained into my brain as the DK, but okay, we can go Rupe. <laughs> <laughs> so the next scene is with the gals. We've got hot girl Katie, hot girl Alice um, at, the, at Marina's apartment. They're just kind of lamenting over where we left them last. Alice got her fingers chopped off, so she did get them reattached, but they're basically uh, magically severed, so she can only cast with one hand. Guys, what do you think about that? That Bullshit. I mean, yeah, that's kind of like almost what we didn't want at all. I would almost feel like I would... I mean, I guess for her sake, it's nice that she has two hands to do things, but I mean, last episode, did we not say that there was no way that Alice wasn't going to be able to do magic? And I was like... Okay. I'm okay with, I mean, I, we'll see if she ever does get magic back, but I think that's an interesting kind of twist to her life of that's not like, having to be able to do like, magic. That's like Jamie Lannister having his hand cut off. You know, it's just someone who is the best at their craft being Great handicapped character. beyond repair. I that am, would be, and there's only what three episodes left for the audience. So you know, they, they could do that, but I hope our girl gets her fingers back. Although I can't say she doesn't deserve it, given her past. Like, this would be kind of poetic justice for the character. Nah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I am super uncomfortable with the fact that Alice can't cast with her. Is it her left hand? Just gives me anxiety. Anytime I see her, I'm like, come on. She's Hermione. She needs her fucking Yeah, mind. what a waste of potential for the smartest character in the whole world. We Just love that Foster Romancy visuals, too. <clears throat> Um, but basically there's a lot of friendship going on here. They're lamenting, like I said, but Katie is really showing up for Alice and saying, listen, I'm not going to forget what you did. We're going to fuck these guys. I'm going to get them triple for what they did to you. It's pretty good. What character growth for Katie. Right I know. Here. Just defending our girl, Alice, after she's just lost all of our, her, her fingers for the, so Alice seems defeated here mm-hmm. too. 
Um, but then Ben comes in crying. She's like, oh, it's just so beautiful, you guys. Female friendship really is the most underrated form of love. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even say anything. She's just in the back, like, crunching the loudest taco. It's so perfect. Is it the, ben uh, is the a taco? Riot. Yeah, is that what it was? A yeah. taco? I hope. Ben I is a ASMR. riot. She's overwhelmed because she kind of gives us a little exposition and like reminder of what's happening. The assassination going sideways, <laughs> the stuff Plover told them, Julia Elliott and Josh not making it back. So that's what they're dealing with. And she's like, so what have you guys been up to? <laughs> no idea that they've just been captured and severed. Um, but she yeah. is just the best. My note in this scene is just fan in all caps. I just love her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what a, the- what a, what a love that grew from the beginning when we saw her, she wasn't even the same actor to becoming one of the best comedy reliefs alongside Josh <clears throat> Hyman, like all these great characters. She's awesome. Well, at first her character was really just someone you felt bad for. She was in this relationship with Elliot and he obviously didn't want her. They didn't know what they had with Finn. I think she probably delivered one line funny and they were like, Ooh, Brittany Coran, let's roll with this. And I'm so glad they did. And I like yeah, how thankfully. they have that contradicting, knife personality to go with her fun loving self you know yeah. it just makes it's, yeah. she's super nice and then if you get her on the wrong foot then she could just kill you so that is going to take us to josh waking up wherever he was just dragged by a taker and he's still bound and he sees a taker like rummaging through some treasure or whatever the taker notices him wake up goes right for the amulet and this amulet injects it with venom or something it starts going through its veins and Josh surmises that this is this amulet is like taker kryptonite. So Josh is freaking out and he gets himself kind of like focused up like, okay, get home. Don't die. What did you do when you got lost at Burning Man? And he's like, oh, shit, I called Margot. So he gets his Margot pro out and he he's just like, yeah, Margot, what's up? Although they talk to each other through the eye, but they can't hear each other through the eye. Right. Right. No, they can't hear each other. Correct. Correct. OK. And that brings us to Margot with the. Wonderful line. Voldemort's clit. This is clearly causing her some pain, like seeing this eye. She wakes up in a in a fuss and immediately goes to tell Katie, Alice, and Fen. And as she's explaining to them what's going on, like her nose starts to bleed and she passes out. And Alice just says she has an idea and goes off to solve the problem. Yeah, I said this before the episode, but Summer's acting here is so good, so specific. She has to act like she has an eyeball in another fucking realm. And so she's constantly moving her head like she's looking around while talking to the people right in front of them. It's it's incredible. I I still am. I already because this is my rewatch. I forget everything that's going on kind of because it's been a minute. But the necklace is so such a confusing topic to me. Like, I just don't understand what its purpose is at this point in time. Like I forget. Well, from my understanding, we found out from, uh, I forget Pickwick's ancestor's name, that whole thing where he was stealing the gold and hoarding all the gold. And once Seb got the gold back, you need the gold to summon the takers. Cause that's what we found out all the way back, you know, in the early mountain episodes too. the (laughs) takers take valuable shit from you. Yep. So I think that was just part of the ritual. Um, and yeah, I think it's as simple as that. I don't know. Is there anything else more that we know about it? So that's exactly what I thought. The only confusing part is why the amulet ended up helping Josh. Right. That's why I was confused a little bit. Yeah. That's the only thing I can't really speak to, but I, I assumed, okay, they need gold and that's the ritual, the blood, whatever to mm-hmm. get into the take around to o- kind of open up the take around. But well, that leads us to the next Josh scene. 
And I think it was the worst moment of the entire episode. I thought it was really poorly written when Josh starts creeping around and he sees, uh, he sees the, ta- he's in the taker world now, right? We got this whole Brown hue to tell the difference. It's like a directorial choice. Um, and he like stupidly throws the amulet so soon after being in the world and knowing it's the kryptonite to these fucking monsters like he does it to save the little girl which is commendable but at the same time it's like bro can't you just touch him with it and hold on to it and keep using the kryptonite i don't get why he chucked it i just thought that was really dumb it's too op they had to nerf him why give it to him to nerf yeah him like a minute later maybe makes no sense to, maybe he just didn't want to get like too close with the taker it could overpower him josh isn't the strongest well, at the <laughs> If all it took was for them to touch it, why not throw it, let it chase after it, grab it, die, and then pick the amulet? He should not leave without this amulet. If I went to Mars and he's and someone gave me a bracelet that said, hey, anything you encounter, this is going to save you from it, I would not be losing that bracelet yes. ever. Like, Nobody said that to him, though. He doesn't know what, it actu- what the actual powers are. That could yeah, have but been he, a he says it's kryptonite. He literally says that, which... We know Josh. He's a nerd. He gets his references. You don't right. fucking ditch your. Oh, totally. I, I agree. This is the weakest scene in general. Like with the girl, I think it's. Mm-hmm. I, I like that they brought back the little girl that got taken previously because mm-hmm. it was all, a bunch of little kids. So it makes sense that there might be one little feral child running around. But I agree. Bro, with the, the Margot pro joke. Oh, that was great. <laughs> didn't hit for you guys. Oh, it, it did. But it didn't hit for her. I think I ruined it like five minutes ago, honestly. I brought it up too soon. Did you? I didn't hear you say Margot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I slipped it in real casual like. Wow. Whatever. What you going to do? Anyway, speaking of the little girl and her friends, she says that all of her friends were taken by the takers into, she's describing an elevator, but she does it as someone who doesn't know what an elevator is. Um, so they go to investigate. They get on the elevator and the only button takes them down to the underworld. So this is, we, we've we seen one of these elevators before and there's a taker about to chase them into the elevator. So they press it and go down to the underworld. And of course it's the underworld we're familiar with. It's like a hotel lobby down there. I love being in the underworld. It's 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 such a fun place depicted in The Magicians. I, I just love it. It's so interesting. Uh, the child starts asking if they're dead, and Jock genuinely doesn't know. So they go to this help desk for help. The old guy says, if you're here, you're dead, whatever. Enter Penny 40. And he's like, Hoverman, what the hell are you doing here? I wish it was that excited. It's really not. He's like, yeah, you're right. Hoverman? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish it was like, bro, what's up, dude? So with last scene with the little girl in the taker realm was pretty weak. I thought this scene was really nice. I thought Josh just is an absolute boss in this scene. He kind of gives it to her straight. She said to him earlier, you know, she doesn't trust adults because adults lie. Now he says to her, I won't lie. It isn't good, but I'll do whatever I can to get us out of here. To which she responds, you better. And I was (laughs) like, all right, bitch, chill out. (laughs) My boy's just trying to be honest with you. That's when I cut ties with her. I want Josh to be my baby daddy. I remember what I was going to say. It was the fact that when Q died, um, even when Alice died, they were so uh, curious and interested on how to find the underworld and how to get there and bring someone back. Now it's just as easy as, oh, you just summon a taker and it'll just bring you to the underworld. Yeah, but there's a lot of risk that comes with it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We find out from Hades later. But you're right. I mean, you know, they got to get creative with their ways to go back and forth to the underworld seven times throughout the series, right? Yeah. I mean... It's the just the idea of Josh not knowing if he's dead or not. Like they, they honestly don't. He know 
knows he's alive, right? But how does he actually know he's alive? The act of going into the Taker realm could mean you're dead. Mm-hmm. Like people don't really realize they're dying. But I because rem- I remember, I don't know. I remember Q's moment. I feel like when the when the elevator opens up and he sees Penny Forty and he's like, "Oh shit," or something like that. So I guess you do realize you died. I don't know. But at the same time, like Penny Forty, that had this, a similar situation, right, where he was down there because he gets tricked from helping that girl I hate that bitch I forget her name she's so good in Firefly Lane on Netflix she's just Dream that yeah she just helps get Penny caught whatever um and he you didn't you didn't know if he was like quote unquote actually dead or not or if they were going to send him back up he was a little bit more of a complicated situation because he was like actually projecting yeah, he never had a body he, to go yeah back but to. did you guys rooks like think there was a real chance that Josh wasn't coming back because honestly when I was going through it again even though I know what was going to happen if I thought they did a good job of making me feel like there was a chance Josh wasn't coming back. Hell fucking no. There's no way they were going to get Josh Hoberman like that. (laughs) I agree. Even though the circumstances were against him, they no. Josh is part of the main squad and we do not lose part of the main squad so easily. True. Okay. I was going to say, if you leave it at just the losing some of the main members, then yeah, we do. But so easily, so easily my yeah. friend. I mean, the, the note that I wrote in the first scene when he kind of gets grabbed and dragged under, it's just, this isn't a thing. <laughs> like, the, just, kind of, just speaking it out there, like, this isn't <laughs> happening right now. What if that was the end of last episode? Would that have convinced you there was a higher chance if it ended the episode rather than starting an episode? Because just no. storytelling wise, you feel like the, the, that would have been anticlimactic. To start would have with. built this, yeah. I mean, it would have built the suspense, but I still wouldn't. I mean, it would have been the same reaction of just that's not a thing, right? All right. So the next scene, the hot girls are on it. They're they need <laughs> to help Margot. Why do you keep doing that? Megan the Stallion. Yeah. <laughs> What's the lyric? Is there a lyric? She's just the hot girl. She's the head hot girl. Hot girl Meg. You never seen that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it now though. <laughs> anyway, so the hot girls <laughs> and Margot is hurting. So Alice suggests they go to break bills to be able to control the circumstances. They head over there and they take out the cool little glass to look through. Love to see it. Glad and, Alice can still use, you know, right? Basic magic. <laughs> so they they see that the the tether between the eye and Margot is between worlds and they need to sever it. And Marco says it's the only tie to Josh. So she's going to, uh, and if you cut it, she'll cut out Alice's uterus. <laughs> <laughs> what a pleasant That was aggressive say, as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she is obviously aggressive. Our girl Margot, you know, knows how to cut deep with an insult or two, but that was <laughs> insane. Yeah. Don't come after her ties to her man. Honestly, don't get between her and Josh. They're She'll pushing the deep. limits on her on her quotes. They really are. They're running out of ways to just cleverly insult somebody <laughs> or threaten them. Um, but Fen points out very smartly that if you scorch your brain pan, it won't be great for Josh either. Uh, so they knock her out to work with the pain. And Alice and Fen go off to look for a more permanent solution, which will oh, take us to Josh and Penny and... So the child got taken with some other librarian. So she's being taken care of. So now Josh and Penny just have an opportunity to talk. And Josh says, I have a little bit of a Newton Ripley thing going on. I think that's just another movie shout out. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that alien? 
Is that what that is? Can I get a can I get a confirmation? Okay, yeah, it's uh that's Sigourney. Yep, alien. Called it. Boom. Nice. All I right. I tell you probably left a note. You wrote it all out, but you didn't fact check yourself beforehand. You you wanted us to to I was hoping like one of the because I was like 90% sure and I was right mind you whatever Newton Ripley Josh is a fan gesundheit anyway so Penny's like ooh, I guess now's the best time to drop it to you like I can't help you get back to the real world or the world of the living not surprised even a little bit well the same thing to Q that's a beat doesn't support the case that Penny's a good (laughs) helper of this main squad but yeah, of course he can't help, but he actually does kind of help indirectly. Um, they he start- definitely oh, I- aids him like as much as he can. And he lists out the reasons why he says, look around you like librarians have been going through it with the whole magic deal. The boss can't just step in because he, you know, tells us that Hades is gone and Hades controls the connection between them and the living world. So and before he left, he shut that off. So like. What's Penny supposed to do? And then he does proceed to help as much as he possibly can. The underworld is big. It could be anywhere. You got a map? Yeah. I I literally started typing his name before the scene even changed. (laughs) He's like, it is the suck option. The relationship between Penny and Benedict is so good. The picture picture in his room is so funny. (laughs) And when Penny just looks at it and he's like, what the fuck is this? Because you could miss it if you're not paying attention that three seconds. That's a great little ad. I love it. That's also one of my, uh, I'm sorry, but that's also one of my favorite Penny scenes in the whole show is when he, they're all asking him like round around and ask what the end of Game of Thrones was. Yeah. And he's kind of making some shit up and they're like, whoa. Dragons. Where'd all those dragons come from? (laughs) (laughs) But I think before we get to Benedict, there's one more thing that is said. I know Brian said he he already mentioned that Hades severed the connection between the worlds, but we also find out that if you're going to put in a request to go back up to, um, you know, the living, it needs to go through the living. Like, like whoever's up in the living quarter area world. everyone has 24 hours to file a dispute but disputes yeah. must be sent up top which they have no connection to the world of the living up top literally means living right it doesn't mean hades mm-hmm. himself like top of the i thought I it meant up top hades. i have it as hades but that's interesting that you took it that way i think it must because it, it that information comes directly after he says it's se- the connection severed from the underworld to the living so that's why i thought makes that. sense yeah And that's where we get Benedict. And Benedict's whole thing is that Hades keeps a close eye over what he is and is not allowed to map in the underworld. But he figures, hey, I do such a good job of mapping everything around what he tells me not to map. In an ironic way, I have perfectly mapped out the areas that he does not want me to map. And he says, I've always like hypothesized that Hades keeps like a special retreat just for himself in this uncharted area so now they have a location or at least the lead that they can look for josh goes to the spa josh goes to the spa so indirectly poppy has been an mvp right because without poppy having have given quentin the depression key to have given to benedict who killed himself <laughs> to go to the underworld none of this would have happened and josh would have stayed dead so True. without poppy josh would have died for real I mean, Benedict helped with the last key as well. One of the keys. Right? Yeah, that was the key. The depression yeah. key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He, MVP. Way more helpful than Penny 40. 
So I guess Dead Benedict's gift that keeps on giving. How are you gonna not go to his brunch if he invites you? Like, come on. That that conversation was so funny, and Josh <laughs> gets on his good side by being like, "Yeah, because he could have too much food." It's so <laughs> dumb. Harvey Guillen is perfect in everything he's in. So they go to the spa, right? And there's this man's there, and he's like, "Listen, you can't be here. Also, Hades isn't here, and he may never come back." Long story short. Josh finds his wallet with everything they need in it, which is so stupid. It's like, how can we get them the address? Let's just have Josh find it on the chair right there. That was like so dumb. I I don't even know. Sometimes I can't even question it. They always yeah. find a way and it's always so simple. Sometimes they make it more creative than others. Sometimes it's just yeah. Josh find it, pickpocketing. He didn't even pickpocket. The wallet was literally just sitting on the table and mid conversation, he's just rummaging through it yeah this one was pretty lazy but it's it's kind of funny it's also compounded in its badness by the next scene of, of margo with just the projector in her eye i love that just shows i mean it's just goofy but it's just kind of like what the fuck is going on here but i just want to say too before we actually i guess even move into that scene is the transition is so fucking perfect where it's josh finds the wallet and stuff and it's like let's hope Margot's still watching and then we cut to her just clocked on the couch <laughs> just knocked out <laughs> yeah but i like that they bring i thought it was less stupid here than the wallet because they bring back the prisms and alice says like i have a fucking screwy relationship with prisms or whatever you're gonna have to double check my math because they do use those and i love it it was great they just shove it in her eyeball it's fucking awesome well correct me if i'm wrong here was the prism what they used to split the, the Harriet team when it split. Bring Harriet back together, yeah, and then it split, it split Alice. Alice. Amazing. In that exact room. In that exact room, baby. Mm. Love to see it. The callbacks. Oh, yeah. It stuck a flash drive that in her room, jelly hole. That room is like the setting of a lot of this season, right? Like, well, that's not this yeah. season, but recently. No, I mean, like last episode with Penny and Plum. Of this season? Oh, wait, well, that's, that's, that's this episode, right? The Penny and Plum going using the circle chalk in the same episode. room. No, nah, that was last episode. But the episode before that, it's pretty much where all the stuff with Hamish and I forget his outside botanist's name was. This is the this is the only place with circumstances that allow them to cast. So it makes sense that a lot of stuff would go down there. But back to the story. Channel Josh is now live projecting through Margot's skull. Um, And she says it feels like she's getting acupuncture inside her brain, but it doesn't hurt. So this is. This is a good fix. Uh, Josh shows them, you know, the address set, shows them Penny 40, who Katie recognizes as her Penny, not, you know, imposter Penny 23. Kathleen, you like that scene? My heart. (laughs) Josh, not Penny's boats it to them. I loved that. That's a lost reference for anyone who doesn't watch. And yeah, I love that she recognizes him right away. That really melted my heart. I'm glad she got a glimpse. Oh, God. Could you imagine if they didn't manage to figure out the Margot projection screen in time. Like, I feel like if there was five minutes later, oh, they would have yeah. missed everything. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the timing of when he was yeah, showing stuff. It's literally I as, felt soon the same as, way. as soon as he opens yeah. the wallet and like is holding it to the eye, they yeah. figure out connection. So yeah, Josh gets them the information that they need to know and communicates to them. They need to locate Hades, check this address. And the next scene that we get is Alice and Katie doing exactly that. It is Hades opening the door in this kind of like sad beat looking apartment. He's wearing like sweats. He's just like kicking it. I love Hades, actually. No, what game was he playing? Untitled Untitled Goose Game. 
Yeah, <laughs> I used to actually watch streamers play this game. Like, Jesus. Uh, who who's the big World of Warcraft streamer? I forget his chance. Soda Poppin. He used to play this game like all the fucking. I time. was dying because it's. It's the I, dumbest game in the fucking world. I'll tell you that. This right has now. to be the fourth time I've seen this episode, and I've never actually looked at the screen because I'm always looking at Alice. Every mm-hmm. time they would show that angle, I'm looking at Alice talking, not the screen. And I saw the screen. I'm like, the fuck is he playing? The point of the game is that you're it's just hilarious. like you're a goose, and you just try and piss people off. Essentially, like <laughs> this is the most absurd game. That ever. tracks that. That's what he's playing. Yeah. Just a pointless, stupid game because he's depressed. But I do love seeing Hades here because personally, Hades has always been such a great character for me because I always like the gods. Like, there's just such mysteries. They make once-in-a-lifetime appearances. And in this case, we get an appearance of one, but he's not the way we thought he would be. He is down in the dumps. Um, like We'll talk about it in a second, but he does not look his best right now. He's munching on some cheese puffs. He's playing this stupid goose game. He was... It was interesting because he was expecting them. Like, he answers the oh, door yeah. saying, like, I was waiting for you guys to finally get here, whatever it is. But, you know, after he rejects the premise of helping Alice and Katie right off the bat, which it would have been way too easy for him to just say yes. They start reconvening. Alice makes the observations you just said, and they just determine that he's depressed and is going through a breakup. And that's when it clicks to the callback that our lady underground, AKA Julia's God, who, you know, gave her her powers is dead now. And gods don't ever die. Unless our, unless we kill them. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny too, because it's funny that he was expecting them because they kind of just have this reputation now. Mm-hmm. I would be so nervous to be around them because you could just die. <laughs> like they lead to God's dying all the time. But it's interesting that he was expecting them, but he didn't know the taker situation was happening. So he has some sort of sight into what's going on and that they w- might need him. And yet, I don't know. It's probably because they're always asking for shit from higher <laughs> up people. He probably just ex- just assumed Very that they true. were going to come eventually. Yeah, I mean, if anyone was going to come, it was going to be them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do want to give him a quick shout out though. He has the pillow for a little extra lumbar support in that chair. He's a gamer. He's definitely been in that chair for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, we did get. I don't. I think we kind of mentioned it, but we got the Q name drop. Can't walk past that for a second. Um, but anyway, so like I said. There's no underworld for the gods. He goes on to tell us that. And he starts getting very flustered and aggravated when they talk about the takers. Like he's, like you said, super surprised about this. Didn't expect this. Mm -hmm. He says the line, um, I leave for a couple months and everything goes to shit. And that's a key timeline context fact, because that means that the Dark King hasn't. Does that not mean that the Dark King was pulling takers only for those amount of months that Hades has been gone or else he would have been aware of this whole situation? I think he's just unaware in general. I mean, you would think so. It's when Persephone died, right? So Monster Elliot killed Persephone and that's when he would have bounced. So no, the takers have been there since for 300 years, in Fillory at least. So it's wild that he doesn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I think that... I'm trying to think it's the realm, right? So so the realm the the issue isn't the takers. The takers are fine. You the issue is that the door was opened in the realm. So when Seb tried to uh resurrect his lover or like open up that door mm-hmm. so that 
he can slide through the taker realm up into earth that opened the door for every fucking dead person in the entire world to sneak through. That's the issue. Not that takers exist. He knew takers exist. Mm -hmm. He said they're guard dogs um, in the middle to make sure that, that no souls that are died, try to get back to the living. Right. Um, And you just, you just referred to it there as in the middle, which is, you know, purgatory, the name of the episode. That's what this is all alluding to. Um, And then Hades goes on to, to raise the stakes a little bit and say, the world will be destroyed if they don't shut that door permanently. Mm-hmm. We talked about how we like the character Hades, and I really think for me it's just that it's such an interesting take on Hades. I feel like every time we see him, he's usually super evil, always angry, you know, and things like that. I mean, the quote that he has in this scene that Luke talked about a little bit is, "You get, you get to go somewhere. You know how I know? Because I built it for you to help you, Quentin, Penny. I eased their passage. There's no underworld for the gods." I just thought that was such an interesting concept that Hades built the underworld out of altruism, not, you know, the classic take that he was kind of assigned it and hates to do it. It's just kind of funny. And I, was, I mean, I read up on it because I just got interested. And apparently he was upset with the turnout in the Greek myths because they drew lots and he just got stuck with the underworld. But they think that they actually they didn't write him to be angry in the myths because they didn't want him to be mad at them and kill them. So when you like read mythology about him, he's actually like nice mm-hmm. and like kind of passive and he's really just focused on balance. And I guess the way we get it now in like modern takes is that he's always just pissed off. I mean, Hercules, he has the fire hair that explodes when he gets angry and shit. I just no, you're think right. that- it, uh, I've had that same experience whenever I read up in the rabbit hole of Greek mythology where Hades isn't, he's usually neutral, right? Whereas Ares tends to be the more mischievous of the gods, but Percy Jacks. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. Um, And then also wonder woman too, which is cool that they didn't take the Hades approach, but yeah, I I think it's cool that Hades is shown this way in the magician's universe. Cause I think this is how he's supposed to be more aligned. Right. Yeah. I mean, according to, I guess the people who were there back in the day, (laughs) right. Uh, final thoughts on Hades rooks because we might not be coming back to him for a little bit yeah I guess we won't be coming back to him because he did kind of leave it up to them to fix the mess such typical god thing to do like he says I'll help you a little bit by getting Josh back but I'm leaving you up to save the universe essentially like come on that's what we want the god to help out with (laughs) but I love Hades, actually. I hate to see him in a funk, but what are you going to do? Yeah, he's probably just going to chill and kick it there. I'm I'm sure that if we mourn for a couple months, gods are capable of mourning for like millennia. So sorry, Hades. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to get a resolution at the end. You know, they save the takers and they go visit him and say, hey, bro, we did it. And maybe it cheers him up. But I hope he has some use in the next. What are we at? Three episodes left. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it's just because I know we're not going to get a closure with the overarching Penny 40 story. I feel like Penny 40 hanging out with Hades, if we could get like a couple seasons of that, that would have been unbelievable because Kyle, I think you're right. I really like how Hades is depicted in this. You, you put it great, how he kind of seems altruistic. You know, he was trying to help humanity. That's that's a really cool take on Hades so it's a shame I don't think we're going to get too much of them going forward but but he does give us a power move before heading off screen for a little bit and he transports Josh and the child back to Fillory 
and it's all bright and green again, which is nice. And then it's the the camera pans out and they just see a shitload of these takers, dead bodies just littered on the forest floor. And I think that's the last thing we get from the Fillory timeline or character bucket. Yeah, and unsure of whether that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> like we hate these takers, but should they be dead all over the place? <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, I have no idea how to take just kind of the dead bodies everywhere. But I think that Hades' conversation leads me to believe that the Dark King basically just kind of sent Josh in as not really bait, but Josh is kind of the key to opening the door. You know, he kind of eased the passageway and kind of cracked open almost, I feel like, the passage between the worlds that is going to allow <clears throat> B-Toms, what's his, uh, what's his boy toy's name? Whose? What's Roop's boy toy's name? Lance. Lance. Lance, to allow Lance through. You know, Josh is kind of like the, the oil, the WD-40 that kind of slid in there so that lands can come through. You bring up a great point, Kyle, especially because Josh literally spent one episode in there. Like we get him at the beginning episode going in and he didn't it didn't really seem like much got accomplished other than the fact that he went down there and then came back up. Mm, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, also, I would assume that's why he gave them the protection amulet. I don't think he really expected him to come back, maybe, but I would assume the amulet was to serve as protection to get him to a certain point that he could get to the elevator at least. Oh, that's a good point. So you think Rupert wasn't completely heartless? Like, I hope you find peace in the underworld or whatever and just don't get wrecked by these takers forever? No. I, I think he had the, I think the motive of sending him there was to open the passageway almost. Oh, well, what needed to be opened then? Because the elevator was already there. Like, I don't know, bro. I don't know so how you it think, works. You think yeah. the sacrifice of Josh was opening the passage? Yes. Oh, okay. That seems a little bit underwhelming for opening the passage to the dead. Well, I don't think person. that like... Hold on, hold on. We're here in train. Sorry. Um, but you got to think about like, was the takers and all their dead bodies on the fourth floor, was that the goal? The night, uh, the dark, I almost said Night King. Dark King was trying to accomplish and maybe it worked. Maybe whatever he wanted Josh to do worked or was this, or was Josh coming back just the opposite? Like that was just not foreseen by Rupert. So who knows? Yeah, I don't think he expected him to live through it, but I'm, I mean, I don't have the, obviously the quotes in front of me, but I feel like he kind of says, you know, there's something more, there's something you can do for me, or there's something else that you can do or a purpose you can serve. And I mean, the, the Hades says, um, you know, talks about the door that Roop talked to Lance last episode, I guess it was saying, you know, wait for me by the door, wait by the door and things like that. It could be completely unrelated to the takers dying and Josh going to and from the underworld. It could just be Josh is the first one to discover it. Maybe like the takers just aren't meant to live long in the world of the living. Like that's a complete possibility. Um, maybe that's why he needs to continuously bring in fresh takers. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyone's guess. All the above. You guys killed it right there. And I feel like it's not it's it's supposed to be open ended, obviously. So we're gonna find out what happens to our boy Hoberman, but here we are back in Fillory. And I, is he in the last scene? Do we see Josh there? Do we know? Oh, I yes. didn't pay attention. He was he there. Is? Okay, good. Yes. Okay, cool. I almost want to say he has a little cheeky reaction to Penny seeing Julia, but I'm not exactly sure. So so a lot happens off screen in between now and the last scene for everyone that was in Fillory, meaning Josh, Elliot and Julia all escaped without being shown screen and they ended up back in earth through the clock, you know, so they're all in Marina's apartment currently. And now I think we're good to move on to the final character bucket that will take us to that conclusion of the episode. 
with Penny 23 and Plum. Yeah. What did you guys think of this? It, it was very short and sweet, I thought. But a lot of I thought a lot of good, like new information on this type of stuff. I really like the character Eli. Yeah, you can't ke- call Elliot Eli anymore, Dave. <laughs> oh, true. Can't do that anymore. Felt the same way. I was thinking of Dave the entire time. Nice. I agree, Kyle. Eliphas was awesome, but like, I, I'm just so intrigued by time traveling because that is uncharted territory. Like, I feel like nobody knows anything about time travelers. I mean, we've only seen now two of them in history. Even Dean Fogg in the 90s was just like, yeah, I'd say it's a myth but if you are a time traveler it's a gift so give me more of these two but yeah Three i agree them, by the way yeah, who, who are the two uh, are you thinking of eli and plum and jane. and jane is she a time traveler though she yeah. was okay yeah, the, cool. the whole point of plum like having that? this time magic in her plasma is because you know she's a chat when they're all descendants from like that that's part of it i think right cool. is that what you're supposed to assume? i would think yeah with great timey wiminess comes great responsibility what a fucking like oh my god what mm-hmm. like my note is just time travel is insane i love all of this me too Plum it's so good Penny was so good it's just in this isolated world akin to the nether the netherlands where it's outside of time which we found out about that a couple seasons ago from zelda it's just these cool places where just rules don't work right we find out that you don't get tired here you don't get hungry. Ugh. Time just kind of flows and you just you just exist. Yeah, the sameness is what was killing them the whole time. But I guess we let's run through it, right? <laughs> it ahead, sounds awful. But yeah, so Penny's just they find out real quick they can't cast. The circumstances are impossible to read. Like this place sucks. You can't do anything in it. It's just a room with this bunch these bunches of lamps and enter Eli, this guy Eliphaz, who fancies himself a time traveler who claims he is just the protector of the integrity of space time, like a time police. Uh, and I thought, you know, pop culture, not, he says, the good thing is everyone in your time period has seen looper. So I can get right to the chase. Um, I have not seen looper. Neither have I, but like, I, I assume it was just a time traveler nod. Oh my God. That's a great movie. You put it on your Who's list. The, who is it? Joseph Gordon Levitt. Huh. And then uh, the, his counterpart is um, Bruce Willis. So it's like well, two big hmm. guys. Yeah. yeah. It's really well done. I love that movie. They're just some big guys. Yeah. <laughs> so Penny and Plum, he essentially just says, I'm a time police. Like, I can't have you guys changing the past. It's it's too difficult for me to change it back. Penny and Plum are just like, oh, sweet, dude, because we're we pinky promise we're never going to do this again. Like, trust us. He says, "Nah, I can't really, like, take you for your word. And we find that, well, he drops the knowledge that time traveling is like regular traveling it's it's in your blood it's in your dna but it's finite so when they traverse time they use a fraction of their time traveling juices that are in their blood eliphas says i have this machine if you consent to it it will take away this burden for you you will not be able to time travel anymore but you can travel as much as you want just be a regular traveler uh but the machine will not work unless you consent and Right off the bat, both of them are like, fuck you, we're not doing this. And he's like, all right, enjoy infinite nothing. And he just dips. And boy, I I wouldn't last long in this room. Not a chance. It makes me think, you know, obviously not a spoiler that she eventually does put her arm in the thing. But it's like they were there for weeks. It flashes to Penny, Nick and Notches on the wall. 
and they are just like dying. And then she ends up just doing it anyway. It's like, damn, you should just did it right away. That sucks. <laughs> well, the <laughs> like, thing is, I don't think any time matters outside of right. So it had to totally. wear them down a little bit. But yeah, totally, you're right. Yeah. You could have just got it over with. I love how Penny is like, no, we're not fucking doing this. Like, you're just beginning. You don't know what this could be. There's no way where I'm letting you do this. And I love that he was being her advocate when she really couldn't be her own advocate because she isn't she's so fresh she's so green she doesn't know what anything could be yet oh because it's season one for plum right now right totally. we're just getting started mm-hmm. um but yeah like i said a few times that those little lines you just read about the plasma and the dna that to me just meant jane i think it's safe to assume that but and i kind of like assuming that that's head canon to me now so unless you convince me otherwise <laughs> no i don't care especially like i don't care yeah that's fine i'm sorry that was so negative i i think that is that is a wonderful way to explain it yeah she's a time traveler that is a descendant of jane chatwin sweet I, I okay no i am gonna make my point because we know that jane chatwin was gifted her abilities by ember or umber whatever like did he manipulate her at like the genetic level or like what's the deal there so I'm not sure if she was a time traveler or someone who was gifted the ability to manipulate time. So what I would assume is when she was gifted the ability, it became DNA and then she had the kid. I'm in. Mm -hmm. Kyle, you have something you want to add? Well, now I'm just curious. I mean, we don't obviously know anything about her having a kid, right? Jane? We just assume that it happened. Are you talking about Jane? Yeah. Um, We know more about it in the books. Well, enlighten us, vets. Yeah. Unless it's ruined things at the end. I don't. Oh, no, I don't remember really either. But there's like the whole lineage of the Chatwins and and they they actually like go to a party at the old Chatwin house that is like owned by a descendant of like it. it, They go way into lineage, but they all have kids, basically, except for the ones that die young um, because there's like seven Chatwins in the books. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, I guess just to kind of expand on my love for this Eli guy. Um, I like how in the beginning Plum is defending herself. She's being her own advocate, as Kathleen said. And she's kind of saying, you know, this is who I am. And he just kind of responds with, eh, that's dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, that reminded me of you, B-Tums. But his what, name saying is, that's dramatic? Yeah. <laughs> but his name is so unique that I just like knew that there was some inspiration behind it. So I looked it up and apparently there is a man from the 19th century who was a French poet and a cult leader whose name was Eliphas was a name that he made up for himself. He tried to translate his name from Hebrew. It wasn't correct, but fuck it. But he was a magician, a self-proclaimed magician. He was into magic. He was into the idea that you could manipulate astral forces through magical circles and magnetism. He literally created the concept of astral light, which is kind of a force that permeates the entire universe and can be harnessed for magic. Basically this force that is around your soul that when you die, it gets released and then magicians can then manipulate it, um, which is fucking insane. And then he was kind of, he's given credit for kind of interpreting, interpreting rather what the pentagram means and also tarot cards. So if you know anyone that uses tarot cards, he was one of the people, I guess, that kind of brought them into prominence. Go off, Ashley Schlafly. Yeah, yeah. but also, I just want to say, this one quote of his is sick, where it says, he said, rather, to practice magic is to be a quack, to know magic is to be a sage. <laughs> Legendary. Yeah, this guy's a beast. But also, another thing I found was that there's a Marvel character named Eliph- 
Eliphas, who was a vampire from Rome, who also goes by Eli. So cool. he kind of time travels as well. I'm glad you brought up all that just because I would be so curious to get a backstory on this guy. Like, how did he get his time traveling abilities? Like, how was he able to capture Plum and Penny and make them not able to leave this room? You know, like, I would love to see what his he could have had a spinoff. And I thought about that. He could have been like a chat win somehow. Like, you know, I'm so interested in it. I want it. Yeah, Yeah. He goes on to say some cool things where when I was just starting this off, I was trusting of people until I lost that ability after time. So all of that was just cool backstory for him, which doesn't mean anything, but it's just you would know, have been a great spinoff. Fleshed him out in a little in his little bit that he got. Because like, how many times has he done this? Like, how old is this guy? Exactly. Like, he could be way older than what he appears to be. You know, if he's a time traveler. Uh, uh, quick side note: I feel like one of you said the only episode of Grey's you've ever seen is the shooter episode, right? That's me. Yeah, he dies in the shooter episode. Really? Mm-hmm. Is he one of the doctors or one of the? He's one of the doctors. He gets shot and then and then he doesn't die until the end of like it's a two part episode. He dies at oh, the end at the elevator. I do. Like, okay, oh, I can picture oh, him now. Yeah, I yeah. have the chills thinking about it because they can't the, the powers off or something, right? Yeah. So they can't get down to yeah. give him the help. Oh, yeah. Wow, I can't believe you remember that. But um, it is an intense moment. You fucking hate him all season, and he's also a bad guy. He's one of Lex Luthor's like goons and supergirl too so nice yeah that's funny that you say lex luther because honestly and supergirl because my note was that he could have played clark kent he's got the hairline yeah. right the... yeah you wild he's, he's got that like black slick hair he could definitely rock that clark kent curl mm-hmm. um, a nice strong jawline speaking of that superman and lois airs tonight first episode and it's uh, spinoff from supergirl the superman version of like from uh, Teen Wolf, right? Like that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Tyler yeah. Uh, Hoach, yeah, or something. Okay, that, he looks Eric? like Clark Kent. Yeah, well, that's Eric that's who Teen my Wolf Clark East. Kent is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, but oh my god, I just love all this time stuff. Like the Flashpoint storyline in the Flash, I fucking love this stuff. Is so interesting. So I agree. Spinoff, we'll start the petition, mm-hmm. and then we'll get a double spinoff. It'll be. It'll be that, and then it could be Hades and Penny Forty once our heroes all die out because they can't be alive still in a Penny Forty spinoff. Like he'd be, then we'd be really pissed, right, mm-hmm. Luke, that he's not helping. We could definitely write the the rough draft of this. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like their spinoff would just be like Tales from Beyond the Grave, and it's just them like with their mugs by that fireplace, yeah. just like sharing stories. That would just be the whole show, like almost like a talk show. Fan fiction. We'll write it. But I actually really like this joke Plum tells. Uh, she says, a time traveler walks into a bar in Vienna in 1908 and sits next to a young art student named Adolf Hitler. Adolf sighs into his beer. You know what I hate? He asks. I don't know. Jews? Huh. Now you think now you say it. Now you mention it. <laughs> yeah, it was well done, I thought. Yeah, it's good. Penny's like, you're right. There are no good time traveler jokes. But I was like, I don't know, man. That's pretty funny. I might tell that joke. <laughs> she seems delirious, even though you can't really get tired. So she's just losing it. And she decides that she's going to go into the machine and give up her ability, which Penny 23 is really, really against in this scene. But he doesn't stop her. She goes down. She sits down. She puts the clasp on. And that's that scene. She basically hits him with the, it is what it is. <laughs> she even says that, too. I was like, look at her go. I also, I just really like the quote, the sameness is intolerable. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, what the fuck? Like, I just, you would go insane. 
Yeah, because I think they say specifically, well, Plum says specifically, who knows if she's right or not. They were there for more than a month, and that's yeah. a long fucking time to be in that room. To be doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, I, for me person, personally, like a month is very admirable for them to have survived. That's there. There is no escape from it. There was nothing they could do, and Penny's working the angle of this is just a problem we have to solve. Like, this is just some asshole. We got to outsmart. And she's like, no, it's not. We're literally outside of space time. Like I just got to bite the bullet here. And that's, I'm glad she came to that conclusion. Cause after a month, whew, yikes. So she does end up sacrificing herself, right? She sits down, it clamps onto her arm. And for a while, it, I, I would assume it's happening for a while. And she's kind of getting faintish, and, and her hand starts switching. So Penny goes around back to try and stop it. And he sees that it's getting collected, right? Uh, it's getting collected in this bottle. And then Eli pops up and here starts this little brawl. But this is kind of interesting because you're like, fuck you, Eli. But it's also like he is trying to protect Like he's taking it upon himself to protect time and space. But it's like no one really asked him to do it. It seems like he's just doing it. But he needs the since it is finite. He needs mm-hmm. to keep taking it from these people. So he's he is helping because humans can't help themselves right they just will go back in time a, a pinky promise won't do because mm-hmm. they will try and fix someone like the flash tries to go back and save his mother like you, you just humans are flawed you do it but also he is taking it from other people and it's like who who gave you the right but yeah this is the classic you know when the villains make it some good points right you take a drink and he yeah. is he, he he's not really evil he doesn't seem but at the same time, you know, him just taking all the time, plasma or DNA out of uh, Plum's plasma makes him, you know, it's hard to defend. I thought I, I wasn't sure if he was actually being truthful, because when Penny calls him out for being like, uh, what does he call him? He says, uh, it's junkie, interesting basically. that idiots include everyone but you. But. We're also taking him at face value of him saying, I'm a policeman, like I'm doing all this work to reverse what time travelers are doing to mess up history. It's like. Are you? Your, you could be yeah, doing whatever badge? you want when you teleport out of here. Like, he didn't get a badge or anything. He just says it. I, I guess I believe him, but at the same time, you said, is he really bad? Absolutely he is, if not just for the method by which he's stealing yeah. people's plasma, too. Like, when Penny makes the deal, which is a great deal, like, I'll smash the flask or you just let us go with what's in her veins. He says, if you ever fucking try to change time again, like, I'll kill you what relax dude plum seems reasonable (laughs) like come on yeah but he's had probably hundreds of interactions with people who have said that and not followed through with it i mean it's very obvious he's become jaded throughout time and also these people are i mean technically speaking they are freely giving up this stuff i mean he says that doesn't work without your own consent so she sat in the chair and she gave it up he's coercing it but i agree the the deal itself was you know it was well, she's in jail basically super so. aggressive like i i think it was fine and i you got to take it from his point of view if he's literally been doing this for hundreds of thousands of years it's just impossible to have his perspective but and plus it's that's some pretty solid ethos it's our main characters too you know like mm-hmm. if this hypothetically did get put on for another season we're definitely going back to the fact that plum still has a little bit of time travel juice in her veins so you know coming from his perspective they're well, I guess he wouldn't know that they're the MCs of the show, of course. But <laughs> don't take he gave plum it, stuff. Yeah, he take gave it to the wrong crowd. The- Either way, you know, there's yeah. not much. He could be lying. He could be telling the truth. So he could be good it's or bad, whatever it is. But he was just an interesting have, character. And I hope we get more of him. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. This was also 
this was a season wide or excuse me, a season long build up to this Eliphas reveal because we got the signal in episode one that Penny and Penny and Plum were dealing with. So if the reward is just one, a one episode cameo for this guy, I'll be a little disappointed. Also, I want to see more time traveling in the next three episodes. So if Plum doesn't, you know, completely disregard what he said and manipulate history, like I'm going to be pissed. That's it. We got to just do the apartment. Yeah, Eli right. gives him a cool little wave, sends him out of the place, right back to Marina Katie apartment. Um, and then this is not much to go off here, but all we do know is that the whole squad's here and Penny 23 is seeing Julia for the first time, who he was just with. And now she's just nine months pregnant, ready to pop. So he's like, oh, fuck. And she goes, I think we have to have a conversation. <laughs> it's my biggest fear in my entire life. <laughs> Can you fucking imagine? No, no. I Especially because it's, it's only, I mean, technically it's been a month for him because he did the whole month there, but it's really been 32 days. I think that's better than if she came up to you with like a cold sore on her lip and just like, <laughs> hey, I got to talk to you about something. I think that's better than that. Well, but. Penny's trying to wipe her up. This is probably a dream for him. Yeah, this like, now true. I got her. Now I got her. And she even has the realization kind of, of like, I fucked everything up. Like, you know, once you get down to things like this, like, almost like there's no room for error. She almost kind of seems sick of dealing with apocalypse. So maybe she's kind of hit that breaking point where she's down to settle down. Well, she Jenny also, 23. She also seems pretty excited that her baby is so cool. Oh, yeah. Like traveler psychic baby. Dude, what if they named the kid Jenny? Cool baby. <laughs> that thing's getting named Q. I don't care what you have to say, man. That is going to be little baby Quentin Adiodi. Quentina. Yeah, Quentin Todd Adiodi. <laughs> um, the the storylines have been so separate for a few episodes that when Penny bloops in and sees Julia, I was like, "All oh, right, yeah. I hadn't even seen her yet." I wasn't when even when I was watching the first time, I wasn't waiting for that reveal, and I I really think that shows to how much I really don't care about Penny and Julia together. Mm-hmm. Like, pretend it's Quentin, right? Pretend Quentin was on that side, oh and he and pre- I'd be like, I cannot wait until Quentin finds out that he's having a kid. I couldn't but even I totally forgot seeing Alice nine months pregnant. Holy fuck, no! <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great point to compare it to, like you and Alice, or I mean, shit, Josh and Marco, like. It would oh just the, the vibe Marco would be so different. <laughs> Margot wow. nine months pregnant. That is a force to be reckoned with. Put right her there. in a jail cell. Yeah, She's honestly, honestly, it's probably worse than her werewolf. Form. Yeah, I was gonna say Margot nine months pregnant during the werewolf oh cycle. Yeah, that is. <laughs> would, there, would their kid be a werewolf? Hybrid. Honestly, a hybrid. Yeah, probably. It's like, yeah. Well, I don't know actually, because it's a disease. Does it get passed to your Bro, none of us know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not an answer. It's just, there. There was the STD write-ups that Fog had on the board, but you couldn't see shit. This got me thinking about Poppy and her baby dragon hybrid. I guess, like, would he just look like Kaido in his hybrid form? Ooh, well, we don't know what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, but that would be badass baby right there. Yeah, we're about to find out. Yeah. I mean, the only other pregnancy besides that one is Julia's pregnancy that she aborted, and that was going to be. I don't. I don't Whoa, know. That... I just said Poppy and her pregnancy. Besides besides that one. Besides. Um. Uh. But I don't know if that's technically a hybrid because they, she's fucked a literal god. It would have been a demigod, right? Demigod. Yeah, yeah it's a demigod right, because that's what. What's his name? Rich. Uh, Reynard. Hercules. No. John. No, the the right? son. Oh, Isn't John. It John? Yeah. 
God, what a boring name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, so fitting for a guy. Love it ain't that. no Eliphas. Yeah, ain't no that much right now. All right. It is Bang Kill Mary time. You know what it is. Okay. We've got three powerful hot boys. We've got <laughs> Eliphas, the boy Eli. We've got Hades. And we've got Rupert Sebastian Chatwin. Because last time we used him, he was just Seb to us back in the day. So. Who wants to kick us off? I can start. So I am going to marry Hades because I think the way he grieved for Persephone. OLU yeah. is just a, a good indication of how much he would love me. <laughs> love me because Hades is going to fucking be my my marriage. Um, I'm going to bang Rupert because... I think he's probably the best looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. Yeah, like he's just, he's a cool guy. He would be fun. Um, it's been around the block a lot for 300 years, you know, whatever. And I'm actually going to kill Eli because only because he has spent way too much time probably being <clears throat> a pissy time traveler. Um, so if I got him early, maybe, maybe a different answer, but I'm also not marrying a narc. He's a fucking time cop. So fuck that. I'm killing him. But there you go. All right. I got it. I'll also marry Hades, I think. Like you said, seem very compassionate to towards olu so gotta rep that this is where i think we defer i'm going to kill roop because he's obviously a crazy fucking bitch so fuck that guy (laughs) killing him and then we're gonna bang we're gonna bang eli he's got i think he's got the hots for me so i'll i'll uh i'll bang him out he's attracted to you is what you're saying yeah i think so (laughs) i could feel it through the screen so all right, I got it. And I'm going to be completely opposite. I'm going to marry Roop for the reasons that you gave that he's literally willing to bring someone back from the dead. So he will love you, right? And he's fucking hot. And he's got a British accent, which I enjoy. I'm going to bang Hades because also hot <laughs> and been around. And he's a god. Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to kill Eli because Nark. Or no. Yeah, Eli. Yeah. Nark. Yes, because Nark. Boo. This is kind of a tough one because I would like to marry a time traveler. That would be a lot of fun because you could go on like adventures and stuff. But Eliphas kind of sucks. I mean, (laughs) fuck that guy. So I think I have to kill him. I'll marry Hades because who wouldn't want to marry a god? And also he seems like a reasonable god. A lot of gods are just like assholes. He is not that. He's he's cool. Like Kyle said, he's altruistic. He likes humans, so I can marry that. I can get down with them. And I'll bang Roop. I mean, there had to be some reason why Lance loved him so much. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, give me some of that Roop. <laughs> I'll play us out. And I'm going to marry Hades, basically for the reasons that everyone has said. Uh, he just seems like an all-around good guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a god, but he built the underworld for humans. Which is some next level. Yeah, which is some next level (laughs) shit right there. That's a you know, that's that's a godly level of compassion. And I'm going to kill Roop because there's just something about him. Can't trust that guy. Can't Can't trust trust that guy. Nope. And at this point, also it's the decision to bang. And I'm definitely gonna bang Eli because Eli has been around the block. My man has been time. Innumerable, and we don't even know how long he's been around. So I'm sure that he has picked up lots of things way more than Rube has in his 300 years, especially because 300 years of Rube being just kind of crying over one cock. I mean, I'm sure Eli's been hopping around cocks. So <laughs> Wait, I want to get four, some of that action. Is that four marriages of Hades? Am I the yes. only one who didn't marry Hades? Yeah, I think yeah. so, right? Wow. Damn. I get Rube all to myself. 
have him. After you guys nah. all bang him? <laughs> I already killed him. Yeah, I killed him first before any of you. No, I banged him. I banged him after Dave killed him. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, keep an eye out for our continued coverage of The Magicians. We're going to be covering each episode of Season 5 week by week. As always, if you like what you heard, give Finchtown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BingetownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Bingetown TV. And thanks for listening. Voldemort's glitch. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.